Hello and welcome to Thank You Come Again. This is an e-commerce podcast sponsored by Wonderment, where we dive into the actual strategies that leading D2C brands are using to not only make their customers come back and buy again, but have the best possible customer experiences. I'm Blake and Burl. I started my career as a retention marketer, and now I'm focused on being a shepherd of knowledge for you and others on all things retention marketing. You won't find any top 10 guru guides here. Instead, I want you to walk away from each episode with battle-tested and actionable insights that's going to help you to move a needle forward and driving repeat business. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Thank You, Come Again. This week, I've got the privilege of being joined by an amazing CX leader for one of the leading Shopify brands. He's also a fellow San Diegan and a former collegiate athlete. It's Dan Brady, Customer Success Manager over at Pira Vida. Dan, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Blake, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's another great day in San Diego, so I can't complain. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation, really diving in with you on all things CX. Yeah, thanks again for having me and, and looking forward to our conversation. Of course. And so today, Dan, we're going to be chatting about something that is critical to the success of customer retention, and that is building and maintaining a high-performing customer experience or CX team. We're going to dive into what it takes, what are best practices, and then also, I think, learn from some of the lessons that you've learned along the way and really building this out over at Pure Vida. But first, I got to ask, who is Dan Brady and who is Pure Vida? Sure. Well, a little bit about me. So like you said, my name is Dan Brady. Uh, I've been the customer success manager here at Pura Vida for over two years now. Uh, of course, we're, we're in the middle of our, our Black Friday, Cyber Monday post um, you know, madness. So it's our busy time of the year. Um, a little bit about me. I started my career in sales. Um, I did that for about a year or two and quickly realized I, I didn't love what I was doing. Um, so I made the transition over to customer success. And uh, luckily, I, I found my niche and I've been really enjoying what I do. Um, about Pura Vida, so um, Pura Vida started off as a direct-to-consumer brand, um, most notably for selling string bracelets like you see here. And uh, we've expanded our products quite a bit over the years. The company is about 12 years old now. So in addition to bracelets, you know, we sell a lot of jewelry. We also sell apparel, bags. Um, and this year has been pretty monumental for us. We've opened about five retail stores. So we started off as a, a cool um, direct to consumer brand, but now we've expanded and, you know, we, we're, we have a wholesale presence. And of course, we also have um, numerous uh, retail stores now too, which is exciting. That's super exciting. Yeah, it's, um, it's been really, really cool to watch the Pira Vida brand grow you know, over the years. I, um, you know, during my time at San Diego State, you know, kind of got familiar with the brand. I know some of the founders have ties to SDSU. Um, but also, you know, uh, during my time at Attentive, I think too, like getting to see, you know, what Pira Vida has done with the SMS channel and watching that side of it. And, um, you know, it's crazy all the local ties that we seem to have here. But, you know, even like the stores, I mean, I've been to, to, the, to the UTC store here in San Diego. Um, and so it's really great to see, you know, the, the expansion, not only on the DTC side, but now, you know, retail as well. Um, so really excited to, you know, dive in to a lot of, you know, we have a, a lot on the plate today. We're going to try our best to cover it off on a lot. Um, but I kind of wanted to just start with some background more on CX to kind of understand, you know, you talked about, you know, how you really got into, you know, CX and starting in sales. It's a really interesting kind of trajectory that you've had. Um, you know, when you ask kids, you know, as they're growing up or students as they're graduating college, you know, from school, um, you know, I, I don't think many of them will say that they really want to work in customer experience. I, I think it's, you know, we're certainly seeing more careers open up in this space as CX becomes 
obviously it's been a major factor in you know retail and and, and DTC for, for quite some time, but we're starting to see more stories come out now and emphasis on this idea of a CX leader. Um, and I'm curious, like how how did you get into customer experience? You mentioned kind of having the sales background, but what was that evolution sort of like for you? Yeah, definitely. And, and like you said, I know when we were doing prep leading up to this conversation, that was something that we had joked about that, yeah, you know, customer experience is not really taught in schools at all. And if you ask people who are either entering college or in college or any type of formal, you know, uh, education, you know, I don't think anyone says, hey, when I grow up, I want to be a customer experience or customer success leader. Uh, and it's a shame because it really is a great industry to be in. And I'm super happy to be involved in it. But you know, people might say, hey, marketing or finance or business, but um, customer experience, I think, is definitely a, a huge part of any business success. And I'm really happy to be working in this industry. Um, now, yeah, with that said, um, you know, when I first moved to San Diego, I was working sales and uh, I was working for a startup company that actually sold supplements. And so I was doing phone sales, selling supplements, you know, either cold calling or trying to upsell people. And you know, after maybe about six months of doing it, I just wasn't really thrilled. Um, you know, I have great respect for salespeople and um, it's certainly not the easiest job. And for me, I just wasn't super passionate about it. And so luckily, uh, I loved the company I was at at the time and they had some openings on their customer service team. So I was willing to make a lateral move into the customer service department and, you know, dip my feet in there and see what it was all about. And I just quickly really enjoyed what I was doing. You know, uh, I'm very much a people person. I like speaking with people. I like helping people. And, um, you know, I guess the rest is history. After I was doing that for a while, I was able to work my way up from entry level into a senior role and then eventually a team leader role. And, um, you know, about two years ago, um, I was very happy um, with my employment at the time, but I saw Pura Vita was hiring a, a CS manager and I threw my name in, into consideration. And, you know, very fortunate to have gotten the opportunity. And, you know, for the past two years, I've been leading the CS team here at Pura Vida and uh, very happy with where I'm at career-wise and happy to be working for a great company like Pura Vida. That's an awesome story. And um, I, I think, you know, it, it really, what you said is, is very true. You know, like when, when I think about my time in college and business school, like we never really learned about customer like experience, customer service, customer success, any of those different things. And they're so fundamental to business, you know, not, not just DTC or, or retail, like literally any, any business, you know, having some of those fundamentals, obviously everyone focuses on, on marketing finance, but um, it'd be really interesting to see, you know, in, in the future of education, uh, where this could go. I definitely think, you know, we're starting to see, you know, this career path become more and more, um, you know, just more, more exposed, I think, to the broader kind of business world. So I think it's a very, very great point. And uh, you know, to kind of dive in, I think, to now some of like your philosophy on customer experience, again, getting into the fundamentals a little bit more um, of really building a team, but also understanding how you've approached this even. I, I think, you know, many great teams start at the top with leaders and you know the cx team in modern e-commerce is really again you know starting to get more spotlight here now and i think obviously for good reason and, and i think you're truly at this outer ring of the organization you're interacting you're building customer relationships you're embodying the voice of the brand collecting and, and relaying customer feedback and, and so so much more than i even mentioned there um, but to say you know having a strong cx leader matters i think is, is an understatement and i'd love to just have you talk broadly about your philosophy and approach to customer experience and what do you think makes for a great CX leader? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. Um, and I think 
I think at its core, um, and then this just, it's not only for CS or CX, but I think a lot of things that you're seeing now when it talks about being a great leader, I think um, having empathy is super important and especially for CS and CX leaders. So I always try and be empathetic when I'm leading our team. And of course, when I'm interacting with our customers, I think uh, having a great deal of empathy is uh, a key key you know piece of success for any good leader, especially in CS and CX. Um, and aside that, you know, I think um, you have to be decisive and you have to have good communication for your team. So I think if you talk to any CX leader, they'll tell you that, you know, it's super important, especially if maybe you're, you're leading a remote team, you know, you have to have great communication, um, you know, via Slack, via Zoom, via Google calls, whatever form of communication you use for your teams. And of course, the same can be said if you have an in-house team or you're, you're leading people in person, you know, um, being able to quickly make decisions and communicate that to the team, right? Uh, as much as we'd love for things to go smoothly all the time, that's not always the case, right? And so anytime you have fires or uh, situations that you need to address, you need to be able to quickly solve problems, communicate this to your team, make sure there's alignment and make sure there's no questions or, or um, anything that needs to be clarified because you know you have to give all the customers the same experience. And I think being able to identify these problems, effectively communicate that to your team, set that proper expectation, I think that's super important. So um, going back to your question, I think, Having empathy is super important as a, a CX leader. Um, being able to quickly identify and solve problems is super important. Uh, being able to effectively communicate, you know, not just problems, but in general, being able to communicate effectively with your teams is very important. And um, I think besides that, I would also add it's important to be data driven and understand how to, you know, look at and analyze data in order to make key business decisions. And I would also add kind of goes hand in hand with um, the empathy part, but I think being a good listener is also super important. Um, you know, so I think those are, if I had to identify about five, I think those are, you know, what I would say are, are pretty important elements of being a good CX leader. Today's episode of the Tega Podcast is brought to you by Wonderment, the easiest way to proactively set expectations on shipping timeframes, automatically update customers with delays, and measure shipping expectation versus reality across the business. Wondermint is a retention Swiss army knife used by hundreds of leading Shopify merchants, including The Ridge, Boxu, Igloo, Feastables, Jones Road Beauty, and more. Whether you're looking to improve your customer experience, retention marketing, or both, Wondermint will turn your post-purchase shipping experiences into a channel that helps to bring your customers back again and again. Tech of Podcast listeners can receive a free trial of Wondermint by visiting wondermint.com demo and let them know that Blake sent you. And now, back to the show. Those are all really great pillars to build on. I think you even might have just wrote a, a little bit of a college course outline right there for for CX. That's that's pretty great. I think just to kind of give that that outline. I think and sort of um, a great I think segue and kind of themes. I think we'll kind of touch on throughout this conversation here. Um, you know, so I think definitely coming back to some of these as we kind of um, progress through this conversation. But for folks listening now, let's let's kind of move in so we kind of understand a little bit more philosophy. What makes a great leader? Let's talk about building a CX team now and sort of, um, you know, folks listening who maybe are either, you know, already in a team that's built out or maybe even just trying to build out a team for the very first time. Um, so for folks listening who might be struggling to build a high performing customer experience team or, you know, again, I've never done so before. Where do we start? You know, like what are the things that really need to be uh, top of mind as we're kind of thinking about this? Yeah, you know, I think it's really important that, um, you know, when you're either building out a team or hopefully maintaining a good team, I think it's super important that you have employee buy-in. And so one thing that I was proud that I did when I first joined was, 
I kind of worked with the team and the leadership team specifically to figure out like, hey, what do we want our core values to be? And so we we all you know threw out some ideas out there, and then we eventually just uh, ended up anonymously voting on, hey, like what do we want our team core values to be? Like, of course you have your company core values, most do, but like, hey, let's take it a step further. Let's have our own department core values. And of course there can be plenty of overlap with maybe your company core values, but something I think that's important to establish a winning culture, not only in CS or CX, but like in anything, you know, um, as a former athlete, um, you know, when you're talking about what kind of culture do you have as like a team, I think it's important that these are not something that's decided by your coach. It's, you know, decided by the team, right? Because you're the ones who are actually performing whatever needs to be performed. And so um, we had basically voted on our team core values. And I'm really proud of that because it's something that we remind ourselves of every day, you know, and so we have a fun little acronym for our core values. Um, so I like to remind myself it's truthfully, I'm really customer centric. And that stands for the T is for teamwork. The I is for integrity. Truthfully, I'm really the R is for respect. And then the final two C's are commitment and communication. So our five oh, nice. team core values are teamwork, integrity, respect, communication, and commitment. And we remind ourselves of those, you know, throughout every shift and when times are going, you know, when times are good, when times are hard, it's really important to have those core values that, you know, your team can, you know, reflect upon. And, um, you know, again, because these are things that we all agreed upon collectively. This was not something I came in and said, hey, here's our core values you have to follow, you know, and I think that's um, part of being an effective leader is making sure that, you know, you're you're getting buy-in and commitment. And um, that was something that we did to kind of help maintain our good culture was, hey, let's, let's establish some core values that we can really reflect on. I think that that is such a great way to think about getting buy-in from the entire team and creating that connectedness to those five values too. And, and, and then also like how those themes kind of ladder up to, yeah, the day in, day outs when things are good, when things are bad. And sort of also just to kind of carry this kind of connectedness to, you know, the team at large too, and then kind of feeling like they have a stake in, in the team as well. I think that's a really great way to think about um, getting started and that culture. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely like, you know, something that, you know, is really commonplace in sports, but even like in, in work environments too, culture can be the great multiplier, I think in like what creates a high performing team. So I'm, I'm curious to unpack that a little bit more, but I want to segue as we're talking about building teams here and, um, you know, really like getting started. And I think one of the most admirable things about Pure Vita, you know, there's a lot of things that we could, we could talk about, but I think is that you support artisans, you know, all around the world in countries like Costa Rica, Guatemala, India, et cetera. And I know during our initial kind of pre-interview here, you discussed how Pure Vita has taken a similar approach to outsourcing the customer experience team to countries like the Philippines, for example. I know that there are some polarizing opinions about this. You know, for example, folks might think it's purely a, a, a an opportunity to save money or maybe the brand doesn't care about the experience. But I know you have a totally different experience on this. And I would love to get your thoughts on, you know, how do you, you know, can you share your thoughts about maybe outs how you outsource the CX team and and what have, what does that even look like for you and for the Pier Vita team as well? Yeah, definitely. You know, you make a good point. It's, it's interesting in that, you know, uh, a lot of our customers love, that you know, we support artisans from around the world and those countries that you touched upon. But uh, I'm also proud of the fact that we outsource and we outsource a great team in the Philippines and we provide great employment for them too. And you know, like you said, I think sometimes, unfortunately, there can be a negative stigma surrounding outsourcing that it's strictly to save money and that 
you know, the people who are answering these tickets or conversations, as we call them, um, don't care that they're not as invested, that it's more of a numbers driven game. And, um, you know, in my experience working with team, uh, this team, that, that's far from the truth. You know, um, our team is really passionate about what they do and they care a great deal about our customers and making sure that, you know, we're successful. And I will say, you know, uh, whether you have an in-house team or an outsourced team, I think if you focus too much on the numbers, um, that's not always a great key to success, right? You want to focus on quality and making sure that, you know, you're, you're providing customers with a great experience and, you know, the interactions are very positive and memorable. And yeah, you know, um, so we've had a, a great outsource partner for the past five years now. Um, we work with a BPO called Awesome OS, and they do a great job at helping to really facilitate and maintain a world-class culture that's, you know, has, um, you know, the employees are very proud to work for them and work for Pura Vida. And, you know, we've had a great partnership. And, you know, um, when you talk about us working together for the past five years, um, you know, I'm proud that our average tenure is now over three years, you know, so we have people who it's not a plug and play and we constantly have turnover. You know, I think in 2022 alone, we only lost one of our advocates. And for perspective, we have about a team of 25. So, um, you know, I think off the top of my head, math's not my strong suit, but that's about a 96 percent uh, retention rate for employees. And I think that's a huge key to having a good customer success team is making sure that your you know, retention is high, turnover is low, because any manager will tell you they don't want to constantly have to be, you know, um, looking for candidates, interviewing candidates, onboarding candidates, training candidates. And then, you know, um, I've been in some cultures where there is high turnover and it's not really fun. You know, you look around wondering who's next. Uh, is someone going to accept a different job? Is someone going to transfer departments? And so I'm really proud of the team culture that we have. And I know sometimes, you know, people think that outsourcing is strictly to save money, but I would argue that sometimes, you know, by doing so, it's not about necessarily the savings, but it's about having people that are really passionate about what they do and really good at what they do. And uh, I know from my team's experience that they're very passionate about what they do and they're very, very good at it too. I love that. And 96%, that is, that is phenomenal. Congratulations. Hats off to you for that. That is, um, that is truly remarkable, I think, to see. And I, I think all the points you brought up are really, really true, I think, in this in this kind of uh, debate as well. And something that I know you mentioned, too, uh, uh, as we were chatting a, a little bit about this uh, off camera was about, um, you know, also just the commitment and, and being able to have folks kind of, um, you know, staffed around the clock too to be able to provide that support and, and, and really keep a low, you know, time to first response. So I'm curious, has that also been kind of true for you as you kind of think about too, like being able to have folks kind of on to, to interact with your customers at, at kind of, you know, all hours of the day, really? Yeah, it's super important for us. I think, you know, um, there's so many metrics that you can measure in customer success. But whenever I'm speaking with my boss, Paul, who's one of our co-founders and our CFO, you know, I think uh, average first response is usually one of the first ones that he's asking about. He's not asking, hey, what's the CSAT or, hey, you know, what's our first contact resolution rate? It's always like, hey, how are the response times looking? And, um, you know, I think this day and age customers do expect pretty timely responses. And that's something that we do very, we focus a lot on and we're very strategic and when we staff and schedule and have people available on, on the right channels. And so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that we do have people who work 24 seven, 365. You know, we have people who work, of course, the primary day shifts, uh, but then we do have people who work what we call the swing shifts where they're logging on towards the end of the day shift and, and they'll work, you know, for a few hours. And then we have people who work the overnight shifts as well. Uh, of course, we have a few folks who work the weekends and um, of course, we do our best to accommodate people's preferences as to when they work. But, 
yeah, um, it's a very important for us to offer, you know, very quick response times and be available on um, not just one channel, but, you know, I'm happy that we have email channel, we have live chat, we have uh, social as well, you know, and um, so it's important to not only have a few channels where people can contact us, but also, like you said, making sure that our staffing um, allows for people to get those responses on holidays, on weekends. Sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll see comments, people are so surprised they get a response at the wee hours of the morning, but again, that's that's something that can help differentiate our support from our competitors and something that, you know, we're really proud to offer. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely a big, you know, kind of driver of value for the customer too, to be able to have um, a great experience, you know, whenever they really need to reach out to the Pure Vita. Uh, it's awesome. And I, I'm curious, um, so to kind of talk a little bit about hiring, you had touched on that. What qualities do you think then make for a great CXT member? And, and how are you making sure that you're getting the right people on the bus? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, it's a great question and there's a lot that goes into it. But for me, the three things I look for, I'd say, um, I want to know if you have a strong work ethic, right? Um, let's face it, customer service can be tedious at times and it really requires someone who's has a strong work ethic and can be very diligent and, you know, what, what can be oftentimes somewhat repetitive, right? If the expectation is for you to be working eight hours and of course you get your breaks and whatnot, but a lot of time is just involved um, answering customer inquiries. And in order to do so, you need to have a strong work ethic. So that's one of them. I think having a good student mentality and being coachable is also one as well. So um, there's a lot to learn when you're you know, being trained to become um, what we call advocates on our team. There's a lot that goes into it. You have to learn things that maybe you're not familiar with. Shopify in itself, there's a lot that goes into Shopify. And then you think about learning your help desk and you think about um, all the products that you offer and you think about all the SOPs that we have. So I think you have to be a good um, student and, you know, be someone who can take good notes and um, digest a lot of information quickly. Um, so that's another one. And then I would also add just having a positive attitude. I think having a positive attitude is so important in any uh, aspect of life, really. But I think in customer service, that's uh, especially true because, you know, let's face it, as much as we try, sometimes there are upset customers, whether it's our doing or, you know, someone's just having a bad day. So I think you also need to have a positive attitude and be able to overcome sometimes when, you know, customers do become upset or maybe, you know, uh, are not as polite as we'd like. So, you know, just being able to keep that positive attitude and, you know, uh, after one negative interaction, move on and just remember that, you know, there's plenty of other customers who still need to be helped. And it's our job to always maintain that positive attitude. So uh, to recap, I like looking for people with strong work ethics. I like having people with great student mentalities and who are coachable. And I think also, um, like I just mentioned, you know, just having a positive attitude. Of course, there's many other things that we look for, but I think if I had to identify three, those are ones that um, I tend to look for when, you know, interviewing candidates. Those are all really strong things to look at for sure. And I, I think about my time, you know, on, on the brand side and, you know, a lot of the, the, the CS agents that we worked with, um, you know, some of the best ones embodied all of those. And I think also like being just a great student and learning, um, you know, like there's a lot of things I think that are, um, you know, you have to kind of get in the seat to really learn, but having that mentality of just, you know, learning Shopify, learning, you know, how to be, you know, a better communicator, all these things can be, you know, skills that you can just embrace. I, I think those are all super important things that you kind of touched on. I love that. Um, you know, you touched on these core values or sort of things that you think about, you know, just broader with the team, but I'm curious, like, if there are sort of any core tenants or things that you think about when you go into kind of fostering a, a high performance CX environment. Yeah. You know, um, 
Well, one, uh, I like to make it clear for any of our employees that I very much have an open door policy and much like we rely on customer feedback in order to make a better customer experience, uh, I rely on employee feedback to make a better experience, you know, so um, anytime anyone at any level, whether you're the, the highest senior most person on the team or today is your very first day on the job, like I want to hear about how we can make your experience better, right? Um, of course, within reason, there's only so much money that can be invested or, you know, uh, but we do our very best to accommodate. So I think having frequent and open communication, or as I call it, you know, kind of an open door policy is super important. And um, I think that in itself kind of just shows like a level of trust and respect, a mutual trust and respect where like, hey, you can come to me with any thoughts, ideas that you have, and uh, nothing is frowned upon, nothing is going to be you know, shut down. Like it's just, we're a team. I want to make your experience as positive as it can be. And so I rely on your feedback. Um, so I think open and frequent communication is super important. Um, you know, I also think having some friendly competition is great, you know? So like, um, I'm excited. We have our team wide meeting later today. And something that we always do is we have our advocates of the month, right? So for each respective channel, um, we like to identify who we think is the advocate of the month. And we're not only looking at the numbers, of course, which are very important, but we also tie it into our core values and like, hey, who has displayed great teamwork or who's showed great integrity or who's shown great respect, communication, commitment. And we always tie in not only the numbers, which are very important, but also, you know, how did someone display these core values that are so important to us? So I think friendly competition in CS is very important too. You know, we we post our statistics every day and, and many times throughout the shift, we'll even post an update on, you know, how many conversations have been solved, like CSAT scores. So, you know, uh, I think as myself, as uh, an agent, you know, I like to be competitive and I think like, hey, you know, I see so-and-so has like better numbers than me, like I need to up my game. So I think fostering friendly competition is also important in, in CS, um, especially given, you know, how it can be repetitive and, you know, sometimes you deal with uh, upset customers, which is not fun. So uh, I like having a, an environment where there's friendly competition. Um, and I would also just say, you know, I think at this day and age, especially, it's super important to maintain like a safe space, you know, and, and we uh, don't discriminate against people of any background or gender or sexual preference or any political opinions, you know, just being able, and again, that kind of ties into our core values, right? One of which being respect. So regardless of anything, we're all humans, we're all, we all share a common goal, you know, so I think at this day and age, really just having like a safe space where everyone feels comfortable to be themselves, and there's no judgment, everyone's treated equally, I think is super important. Um, and then I would also say, I do my best to really be flexible with people in terms of um, preferred schedules, preferred channels, you know, do you prefer working at home? Do you prefer working in the office? Do you want to work weekends? Um, and even just being like understanding about like, sometimes last minute things come up. Hey, you know, I'm really sorry. I know it's our busiest time of the year. My daughter's really sick. Like, do you think I can have a day off? Like, you know, I always remind the team that this is a job and it's really important for what we do, but we spend most of our time outside of work and you guys have lives outside of work. And I hope that as much as I want your commitment to this job, I don't want your job to be the most important thing in your life. And, you know, just reminding people that go spend time with your loved ones, like, take a day off, you deserve it, you know, taking good care of your mental health and well-being, that stuff will always, always come first to me before work. Um, you know, frankly, you know, if your mental health isn't good, you're not going to be performing very well at work. And again, I care more about you as a person than I do an employee. So just 
making our employees know that, you know, at the end of the day, this is a small part of your life. It helps pay the bills. It's important. But I realize there's far bigger things and more important things in your lives than work. And, um, you know, just having that understanding with the team, I think is super important. Those are all really important things to, to think about for sure. And I love that you, you know, really um, are looking after the team too, I think in making them feel empowered and that friendly competition can go such a long way. I think in, um, you, you touched on earlier even too, kind of like making sure that they have buy-in and, and kind of voice in some of these kind of core values and then bringing that further to, you know, feeling like they're invested in Pure Vita as well. And then the mission and what you're really trying to, you know, uh, deliver to customers. That's all really, really great stuff. I love all of that. And I think um, to, we've talked a lot about like kind of the kind of conceptual stuff now and kind of how to really think about building this environment. Um, I'm curious, you know, and, and this can sort of, I think, vary by team, but like, on the tools side of things, are, are there any tools that you think are really necessary to enabling, uh, you know, the team to be high performing and making sure that they're delivering a consistently great customer experience? So obviously a help desk, but I'm curious if anything else kind of goes into, into that uh, conversation as well. Yeah, you know, um, well, we do partner with Stella Connect for um, our customer satisfaction and customer effort surveys and really just post interaction surveys. And I would say that tool I probably use more than any other tool in my day to day. Um, so I have Stella pulled up and it's really nice the way like their stream works in live time on the dashboard. I'll, I'll get new customer feedback as it comes in. And I love seeing all the four and five star reviews and the feedback and it's great. But when I see that that one star review come in and it's a red flag and I, I see it, um, that's what interests me more because I want to see what is the customer upset about? Was it our wrongdoing or was it something to do with, you know, something out of our control, like a carrier or, you know, something that's not directly um, something that I can control, I guess, if you will, you know, so um, we use Stella Connect in terms of, you know, getting a lot of post interaction surveys uh, and data that I think is super important to us. Um, besides that, you know, we do use Delighted for our net promoter score or NPS survey. Again, very important. That I think is not just necessarily customer service, um, you know, but it's kind of really just brand in general, right? Because when I'm sure. reviewing that, it's not just strictly service related, but hey, like I, I like the price of your products or I love how you support charities or I love how you support artisans. And it's really more of just like kind of um, gauging the brand health um, rather than just strictly service related. But again, uh, I'm not a customer service manager. I'm a customer success manager and that's customer feedback. Now, again, some of it I can act on in my department and other times I might need to say, hey, you know, our e-commerce manager, someone was complaining about having a tough time navigating the website. Like, do you think we can look into this or, hey, you know, um, for our web developer, like someone was saying that they were having trouble, you know, finishing checkout. Like, can we make sure that everything is working well with our payment processors and checkout? Um, you know, so I think that's super important to have a net promoter survey. And we have a few other sources for surveys as well, like Trustpilot. Um, we'd like to stay pretty up to date with how customers are responding to that. Um, and then besides that, you know, you touched on earlier, I know you're uh, attentive alumni. So we do partner with attentive for SMS. And while that's mostly marketing and acquisition, uh, we do review, we do read the reviews that customers will put in. So, um, you know, I think it's important to monitor that stuff too, in case people didn't receive their package or they have any other feedback they want to share. Um, and then besides that, you know, I think having a post-purchase tool is really important, you know, so of course, Wonderment um, being one of them, but, um, you know, having just something that allows customers to track, I think on average, post-purchase customers track their order as many as three times on average. So 
being having a tool that really allows customer to track their order. That's a huge lifesaver for our team so that customers aren't asking, you know, the notorious where's my order question. Um, and then besides that, we do also use um, AI and automations through our partners at Thankful AI. So Thankful has been really, really a great partner for us over the last few years. And especially this time of year with, you know, customers asking the notorious where's my order question. Um, when they receive their order, God forbid, if any item is missing or damaged, um, Thankful is able to automate, I'd say anywhere between 10 to 15% of our inbound conversation. Wow. So um, it's definitely a, a huge um, part of our success. And we're really thankful to have them in our tech stack as well. That's awesome. I, I love, um, you know, all those different tools to kind of create that kind of cohesive experience. But then also, like you touched on the feedback side of it, surveying customers, being able to look at that, um, you know, the NPS stuff as well and measuring and kind of assessing things over time. And um, yeah, I'm sure all contribute to, um, you know, really making sure that the team maintains, you know, like high performance, but also being able to be enabled to, to do all those things as well. So um, that's a great tech stack. I, I, lo I love, you know, that kind of approach to it as well. Um, so we talked a lot about, you know, kind of the building, I think you even touched on a lot of maintaining as well. But I, I think um, one of the questions I had before we kind of move into a little bit more of the Pira Vida uh, approach to things as well is um, you've talked, um, you know, about, you know, a lot of the best practices, but for folks listening who might not have a highly motivated or empowered CX team, what sort of advice might you offer to them to kind of think about and start to kind of change the ship a little bit? Yeah, well, one, I know I touched upon it earlier in the interview, but you got to get employee feedback, you know, so just constantly asking the team and, and whether you want to just have, you know, um, like just Zoom calls with your team and collect feedback through that method, or if you prefer anonymous surveys, um, you know, we have a tool that we use called Office Vibe, and it basically sends out surveys. Uh, I think we have it set up for every two weeks right now, but I'm sure you can adjust the timing. And it's just, you know, routinely asking questions. And even though the questions are kind of repetitive, like, hey, we want to know, like, you know, do you feel like you have all the tools for success? Do you feel like you're well compensated? If you were to leave, what would be the primary uh, motivator to do so? You know, so I think just like we rely on customer feedback to, you know, make improvements to the customer experience, I think getting constant feedback from your employees is a, an easy way to hopefully improve your employee experience, which I think is so significant to delivering a good customer experience. They're directly related. If you have a team that has frequent turnover, I guarantee you they're not going to, um, you know, be in the same position uh, to obtain success as a team that has, you know, great retention, low turnover. Um, and then, you know, I think when you talk about, um, talk about this question, I think it's also super important as managers to know when to delegate, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as someone, you know, you're able to effectively train someone to do some main responsibilities, like I like to delegate as, as frequently as possible. And it's not because I don't want to do the work or because I'm looking to cut corners. It's like, I like to empower my team by giving them key responsibilities. And uh, if they need help, you know, if they need some handholding or some questions, I'm more than happy to be there for them. But I think it's super important that, you know, you're delegating some key responsibilities and um, that's a great way to empower your team as well. So, you know, trust your people until they give you a reason not to. Um, and I think part of being an effective manager is really being able to do what you do well, but then being able to train others to do it and eventually take that off your plate as well. So uh, over the years, I've been proud that we've been able to kind of, you know, continue to find new ways to give responsibilities to so that, the team's not working all day in the queue, you know, as an agent myself previously, like it stinks when you spend your entire shift just 
answering ticket after ticket after ticket. Now, mm -hmm. of course, during peak season, sometimes that needs to be the case. But like, uh, I think just about every full-time member on our team has at least one or two side projects that they, that they do to help contribute to the overall health of our customer experience and not just answering tickets, but like, hey, you know, can someone please check out the reviews that we have on our website, strictly product reviews? Like, hey, can someone check our post-purchase uh, reviews? Can someone check this? And, you know, just making sure that you're giving people responsibilities that allow them to feel empowered and feel trusted, you know? Definitely. I think uh, that empowerment is so, so huge. I think you talk about, you talked about a lot about that today already, but giving, you know, kind of um, an ownership, I think, in sort of like their, their roles and responsibility, being able to take on some additional projects as well. But then also, like, I think what you mentioned on the health check of just how they're feeling about, you know, the state of um, their their employment and giving the uh, the feedback opportunity to to voice some of those things. I know in past roles that I've had, even we've done similar things, and it's been really great to learn about like the health of the internal business, and then where are the opportunities um, that might exist to to improve things even further. I think it's an iterative process for sure. Um, but that's all, that's all really fascinating stuff. I, I know, um, you know, we could continue to talk for a while about sort of the building and maintaining side of it, but I think a lot of themes that we've kind of talked about already is, you know, getting that buy-in, getting the empowerment of your, your, your entire team, and then being able to equip them with a lot of, you know, just sort of things that make them successful in their role. Um, a lot of things that we think we talked about already. I, I love all of it. And I'm curious now to kind of dive in a little bit further on the Pure Vita side. You've touched a lot on this already, but um, would love to understand a little bit more about the kind of um, you know, what what is the CX approach sort of like over at Pure Vita when you think about like some of the, you know, core things that you're kind of really making sure you want to keep top of mind with the team. Could you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, what I'd say, I guess, um, so to, to clarify, we're talking about like, you know, Pura Vita's kind of approach to CX, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. You know, one thing that I remind the team is like, we interact with customers online. Um, so much of communication is body language. And that's something that, you know, unfortunately, when you're emailing or chatting or DMing someone on social, like, you don't have that ability to show your body language and your smile and uh, approach them. So I always remind the team, like, hey, when we're interacting with customers, like make sure to show your personality too, right? Like, of course we have shortcuts or macros, whatever you like to call them. And they're a, like, they're a tool that you should absolutely utilize for efficiency, making sure our responses are aligned, setting proper expectations. But, you know, when you talk about like Zappos customer support, one thing that they're very well known for is like, hey, it doesn't matter how long the conversation goes on. Like we want you to show your human side and show your personality. And, you know, Zappos is like, I think one of, if not the most admired CX brands out there. Right. And so, um, you know, obviously we're going to see what they're doing well and look to replicate it. So I just remind the team, like, please, like we don't have the benefit of showing our body language and smiles when we're emailing or chatting customers. So please show your personality. Do not use canned responses every time you interact with the customer, like throw in some emojis, throw in GIFs, like do whatever you can to show your personality and that, you know, whoever is reading this on the other side of the email is not just like a robot and it's not like a canned response. Like we want to show our personality as often as possible and just make it so when customers are interacting with us, I remind the team like, hey, treat it like you would if you were in a retail store and a customer walked in, like 
you would walk over, you would greet them, you'd have a smile, you'd ask if you can help them, you know, what brought you into the store today. So especially now that we have five retail stores, I always like to remind them like, hey, treat this as if a customer walked into your store. And when someone emails you, that's them stepping foot into the door. And we want to do our best to show our personality um, and, and also kind of create that emotional connection with customers too, right? Where you can deliver a good response and it's a shortcut that you didn't put any effort into other than just finding the right shortcut, responding with it and being on your way. But take that extra time to throw in some um, emojis or a GIF or, you know, create your own sign off, right? Like, I don't want everyone using the same sign off like best or like regards, mm -hmm. like, hey, we're Pura Vita, we're a laid back brand, like do cheers or do Pura Vita or like, say like, happy Friday, have a good weekend and just make it so, you know, when you're reading it, like, as a customer, you say, oh, you know, this, this Blake guy has a good personality or like, oh, that was really cool. Like the, I've never had like a customer service team send me a GIF before. Like they've got a sense of humor. Like that's pretty cool, you know? So doing our best to essentially make it so without the body language, we're creating memorable experiences for customers and hopefully, you know, uh, getting that emotional connection and showing our personality and sense of humor when we're interacting with customers through these digital channels that we offer. That's really, really great stuff. I think you definitely um, you are, are absolutely right when you say too. It's it's sort of creating some of these different just connection points to um, humanizing the experience. I think at the end of the day, you know, like the the gifs and the emojis and this the little even the sign offs as well. Like that's really great stuff to um, break through a little bit. I know like everyone points to Zappos, but it's a really great example of like, you know, they, they really try to build the relationship with the customer, I think in those conversations. Um, and those are the things I feel like as a customer, I would pull away and be like, wow, they, they really, you know, went above and beyond to create that connection. It wasn't just a transactional conversation, but there was, um, a person on the other end of this as well, which is really cool. Yeah. You know, um, and, and one thing, I think if there could be one takeaway that I'd like to give the audience, especially for any CX leaders out there, uh, one of the best things I think that we've done is we actually, in, in efforts to make sure that this was like non-negotiable, we just put a criteria in our quality assurance process that said, hey, you need to personalize your interaction or else you're getting docked. So uh, every week at the end of the week, when you get your QA scores, like you, you have incentive built in, in, in order to make sure if you want a passing QA score, like, you know, part of that includes personalizing your interactions. So every time it's Friday, my expectation is like, Hey, we have a bunch of like little shortcuts that just say like, happy Friday, have a good weekend. Or like this time of year, like happy holidays. Mm -hmm. Thanks for choosing Pura Vida. We appreciate your business. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you haven't done so already, that might be an easy fix that CS leaders can do and just, hey, build it into your quality assurance grading where personalization matters that much. That's really great. I think also that kind of goes back to, I think also we talked about motivation and making sure the team, you know, feels that sort of connectedness to, um, you know, everyone kind of motivating each other to, I think, kind of have those personalized opportunities in conversation too. Um, that's really great, I think, to kind of have as a takeaway as well to, you know, folks who might be thinking about how to really create that higher performing team. And um, this is sort of bouncing around, but as a question I really wanted to ask you, um, sort of you talked about, you know, when you joined Pura Vida and sort of like when you began to, you know, serve the team, um, you know, that kind of you coming on uh, two, two plus years ago. Now I'm curious, like, 
um, you know, what was the state of customer experience like at Pura Vida when, when you joined the team? And how did you really approach ramping up and making sure that as you were joining, you know, to that the team morale really stayed high during this time of transition? Yeah, you know, well, I was really fortunate to inherit a great team, you know, so I, I didn't have to come in and, and completely rebuild anything from scratch. Um, the former manager, Nick, who I now consider to be a great friend and mentor and someone I have a great you know deal of respect for, um, he really was key to turning around the culture and he did so many wonderful things. I mean, we could have a whole separate podcast about all that Nick did to really build the culture and, and set the expectations. But, you know, when I started... Um, he left me a 55 page PDF, tons of information, basically everything you could imagine about CX at Pura Vida. But I'll never forget one of the, the first things in the PDF was he basically said, like, you're inheriting a team that's close like a family and your main responsibility above everything else that you do is continuing to foster the culture and taking care of the people like you're their leader. They look up to you. They're going to look for you for guidance and direction. And it's super important that above everything else that you do, regardless of tech stack or how you manage the budget or, you know, what partners you choose or any other changes you want to make, like at the end of the day, you need to take care of the team and the people. And that's been something that, you know, uh, I'm reminded of every day is, you know, just taking care of the team and making sure that we're delivering a good employee experience. Cause again, I think it directly ties into having a positive customer experience. Um, but yeah, with that said, when I did take over the team, um, you know, it was September of 2020. So we were six months into the pandemic. The entire team was working from home. They're a close knit group. They have an amazing office, but everyone's working from home. Um, you know, we're, we're not physically together. They had um, had about two months when, you know, before I was hired. So there was about a two month, period where they didn't have a formal manager and they're just taking care of business as usual. Of course, you know, my, my boss, Paul, who I report to was filling in and doing his best to make sure that, you know, they had a person to contact for any escalations or assistance. But yeah, I mean, at the time, you know, it's a pandemic. They were working from home. They didn't have a manager, a lot of uncertainty in the world, just, you know, crazy times. So when I, when I joined, you know, um, you know, again, it was just kind of a big focus on, getting in, learning the team, learning the people, obviously learning the ropes that goes into, you know, what Pura Vita had from a tech stack perspective and how to deliver a good customer experience. And, but yeah, ultimately I came in and just wanted to learn about them and their culture and how I can, you know, be a servant leader to them and make sure that I'm, I'm providing them with the tools and resources that they need to be successful and not only successful in their jobs, but just like happy with what they're doing. And, um, you know, so yeah, it was, it was, you know, crazy to think it's been a wild two years, but uh, yeah, at the time when I joined, you know, there was a lot of, uh, I guess, maybe change, uncertainty. And, um, you know, like I said, I was fortunate to inherit a great team. And um, once I kind of learned them and their needs and wants, uh, the rest was kind of just making sure that I was doing the best that I could to give them all the, the resources necessary to be successful. Now, major hats off to you, I think, in, in the approach, I think, and as we've talked throughout this conversation, you've definitely, I feel like, um, you know, continued that to carry on that tight knit family, as you mentioned, you know, they, you, when you joined, that was the state of a team and continuing on and really building, I think, also um, just maintaining and building that high performing team. It's uh, definitely, I think, a testament to your leadership style and, and really, really uh, just appreciate you kind of sharing more about that as well. Um, and I'm curious to 
jump around again, but ask you another question I really wanted to ask because I feel like um, this is really important and something I wanted to come back to um, as well was you talked a lot about feedback and aggregating some of these different forms of feedback from customers, whether they're you know on live chat, texting in, emailing, all these different things. Um, and you mentioned even in our pre-interview how you've really doubled down on the negative feedback to look for areas of opportunity for the business. And so can you talk more about how then you take action on that? You talked about, you know, going to the e-commerce manager, for example, or going to the website developer, but any, any sort of things you can maybe talk about um, on how you really make sure the negative feedback is, is uh, actions taken on that? Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you asked, you know, um, again, I think this is pretty common knowledge and I'm sure many CS or CX leaders have heard this before, but, you know, Bill Gates said his greatest source of learning is upset customers. And I think that's so true because, you know, while we all love to pat ourselves on the back and read the positive feedback and reaffirm maybe what we're doing well, you know, the, the best way to change is to see what are customers upset about, you know, is it price related? Is it post-purchase? Was it delivery times time frame? Was it response time? Did they not like certain policies that we have in place? And so I think the best way to improve is really just focusing on, you know, what customers are telling you they don't love. Now, that's not to say that we can, you know, make concrete changes for every piece of negative feedback that we get, right? Like it's funny, some people might say, hey, your prices are too expensive. And then that's like one of our most common things that people love. Hey, you have great reasonable prices, you know. So of course, not all feedback can be stuff that we take action on. But sure. if you notice, you know, enough of it being said, then obviously, you know, hey, you know, we're getting a lot of people who say that X, Y, and Z could be improved. So yeah, one thing that I think our team does exceptionally well, and again, uh, I was lucky to inherit a team that already did this. So I wasn't the one who implemented it for transparency. But um, I thought it was so cool when I joined, we have someone whose full-time job is service recovery. So any negative interactions we get, their job is just to go in and try and recover the interaction. So we'll see someone who left a low star review. We have someone come in and try and clean it up and just, you know, again, whether it's policy related, like, Hey, you know um, I, I went over the 30 day return window. I'm not satisfied that you're sticking by the policy and you, you won't let me return this product from September, you know, mm -hmm. okay, we'll make a one-time exception and try and recover that interaction. So um, yeah, I think it's super cool that we do have someone whose full-time focus is really just making sure that we're following up on every negative interaction that we receive. Now, we can't recover all of them, but at this day and age with acquisition costs being so darn expensive, I will fight tooth and nail to try and recover every customer that we can. And you know what? Even if maybe we can't turn a one-star interaction into a five-star interaction, at least we care enough to follow up and just show the customer like, hey we're sorry you had this experience. We're sorry you feel that way. And again, you know, we'll, we'll try and make things right. Now it doesn't always work that way, but again, at least it shows that we care enough to really follow up and do our best to try and recover those interactions. And, you know, even if it's maybe not necessarily service related, but we notice a low score on our NPS survey, again, we'll follow up with the customer, acknowledge their feelings and concerns. And um, if it's stuff that I can directly control, I'll try and take action on it. If it's stuff for other departments to be aware of, I'm at least going to pass that feedback along. We owe it to not only our customers, but to the brand as a whole. Like, again, my title is customer success manager. So any piece of feedback that comes from a customer, I don't expect people in other departments to sift through that. So my job is to let people know in other departments, hey, here's what a customer thinks. 
you know, can we make any improvements to this? And, um, you know, we have been fortunate enough to make some of those changes throughout the years, just again, through listening to the customers and relaying the feedback to the appropriate decision makers. I love that you have someone dedicated to just really diving deeper and figuring out, you know, like, can we save this? Can we get some feedback? Can we really just learn from this? All of those things I think are so, so foundational. Um, and the feedback loops that you've created across, you know, other parts of the business too, I think are, um, you know, I think a testament to also like how you can improve, I think the process for the whole business too. Like, I think that's the beauty of, of CXCS is that like you have the opportunity to really learn from the customer and then make that experience better. And then I think also something else I, I, I was thinking of as you were saying this was the more I've talked to, you know, other leaders, they kind of mentioned, you know, even if we can't save the customer, then can, we can at least provide a great experience and sort of um, leave them with an impression that the brand really cares about the experience at the end of the day. And even if they decide that, you know, the brand wasn't for me, maybe they refer it to another friend because they just really thought that, that it was a great experience. Um, even if it wasn't the fit for them, that there still is, you know, a really great experience that this brand can offer and deliver their customers. Um, so I think those are all really, really great things that you touched on there. And as we kind of put a bow on, on this conversation, I think so much ground has been covered, but I'm, I'm curious if you just have, and I'm sure there could be a lot of things you could touch on, but what has been your biggest lesson learned in leading and serving the CX team here at Pura Vida? Yeah, you know, I touched upon it earlier, but um, I, I think I can't emphasize enough how important it is as a leader to really focus on your people first and foremost, right? You know, and, and just making sure that, you know, you're doing everything you can to give them a great workplace and reduce retention and give them, you know, career development opportunities, you know, so one thing that I'm, I'm really happy that we offer is we have like a leadership book club. Um, so we've read three different books this year where, you know, just take some time out of your shift and let's dive in and read a few chapters and then we'll meet and talk about it. So um, I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is, I think, as leaders to really try and focus first and foremost on a positive employee experience, taking care of your people and, and fighting every day to make sure that they know how valued, respected, and cared for they are, um, and continuing to do that so that, you know, when it comes to, hey, we need some people to work overtime this weekend, we have plenty of volunteers. And, and you know, again, I think having a great employee experience is a key to having a great customer experience. So I'd say for me, the biggest lesson is really just to focus on your people. And it's something that requires a lot of work, too. It's not something you can do periodically or when it's convenient. It has to be like day in and day out. And you know, constantly reinforcing positive behavior and coaching and um, having one-on-one -on -one discussions and also taking interest in like people's um, personal lives outside of work if they're so willing to share. You know, I understand sure. there's certain boundaries and certain things that maybe you shouldn't inquire about. But like for me, I, I have a good idea about anyone on my team who's a parent. You know, I know their kids' names. I know what they like to do outside of work. I know who likes to hang out with who, you know, what you like to do in your free time, you know, what kind of music you like listening to, who's into Harry Potter, you know, um, you know, places you've traveled and been and just kind of really developing these personal relationships with your team too. Of course, within reason and certain boundaries and some people are, you know, more willing to share stuff about their personal lives, but just, you know, developing, um, you know, great relationships with your employees, I think is always a key in any industry to, you know, having a successful team. 
that I think I couldn't have said it better myself. I think it, it kind of, you know, comes back to the where we started this conversation, really around building culture and making sure that it's a place that, you know, your 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 team wants to be and, and feels empowered and and that there is um, you know, a sense of family. And I think you touched on that as well. So I, I think all really, really great points, Dan. This has been um, this, I think a masterclass and really how to think about the philosophies and, and, and culture that you want to build and, and maintain with the CX team. So I super appreciate you sharing all this information with, with us in the audience. So um, I, as I, as I think about this, before, you, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you one last question. And uh, you know, as we kind of think about 2023, we're planning here right now, I'm sure. What are you most excited about for the next year at Pura Vida? Yeah, you know, I think for us, it's bridging the gap between our online presence and our retail stores, you know, so um, in 2021, we opened our flagship location, like you touched upon at UTC, for those not familiar, that's a mall in La Jolla, um, California, where where Pura Vida is based out of. Um, this past year, we've been fortunate enough to open four additional retail stores, um, one in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, we've got one in the Gilbert Chandler, Arizona area. We have an outlet store in Camarillo, and then we also opened another location in Irvine, a, a suburb of Los Angeles. And uh, without you know any spoilers, and frankly, I'm not really sure if anything's finalized, but we're going to be opening a few more retail stores in the future. And um, right now, you know, we don't offer omni-channel returns and exchanges, for example. And so I think I'm excited to work with IT and the right stakeholders in terms of bridging the gap between our online presence and our retail presence and just, you know, giving customers a great experience where you can buy online and return in stores or, you know, purchase online and pick it up in a store. And um, so, you know, we're really excited about our retail presence, but we've got a few things to iron out because at this day and age, you know, we want to make sure that we're giving customers the best experience possible. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And as a follow-up, I'm also excited uh, next year. I think we're going to be really um, formally expanding our SMS support. Um, so we did launch SMS support right now. We offer it to a few hundred customers who we've deemed to be VIP. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason being, we don't want to become too overwhelmed with volume. You know, this time of year is already crazy enough as is. Um, and it's crazy. Most of our orders, uh, well over 50% of our orders actually come from mobile. So I think, um, you know, you talk to most industry experts and leaders, I think SMS is definitely a growing channel. And I think next year I'm excited to, you know, open it to the general public and all of our customers in general. I think that'll be a, a very, very successful channel for us. So um, next year I'm excited to bridge the gap between our retail presence and website. And I'm also excited to launch SMS and um, just continue to find new and better ways to uh, improve our customer experience. All amazing things. Uh, so much happening, I think, there. And I'm, I'm really excited, you know, not only about the expansion opportunities that you're talking about here in store, but um, I've been super bullish on SMS as a support channel, you know, if, if there are the resources there to to provide that experience. And um, we'll have to have you back on the show again, you know, uh, down the road to talk more about that, because I think that um, it's, it'd be really interesting to hear your take on, on what that rollout has sort of been. Um, and the impact that it's had in the business. I feel like um, it's so very early innings and in where the SMS support channel is uh, headed, I think, for DTC e-commerce. Yeah, well, I, I'd love to hop back on anytime. And, you know, I, I look forward to, you know, revealing how um, all of our learnings with SMS, right? Anytime you launch a new channel, um, it's not always smooth sailing right away. So talk about learnings and hopefully have some good data. And obviously, you know, at the end of the day, just improve, um, you know, our ability to communicate with customers through uh, a very modern and convenient channel. Absolutely. Um, well, as I let you go, where can listeners go to get in touch with you? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really active on LinkedIn. And of course, um, since this is, you know, mostly focused on uh, professionalism and, and just, you know, work in general, uh, I'm available on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect, um, you can certainly find me there. I'm also active um, in the Discord group. There's a Discord group where a lot of CX leaders live. So if you have any interest, maybe shoot me a message and I can hopefully try and get you an invite in there as well. So I'd say those are probably the best two places to find me. Awesome. And we'll, we'll link out to that in the show notes as well. But Dan, really appreciate all of the insight here in the conversation. It's been a blast to chat with you and talk about this. Um, have a great rest of the year if we don't talk before then. And uh, we'll have to have you on the show again in 2023 for sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Blake. And, you know, thanks to every listener out there. I hope you, you know, enjoyed our conversation and hopefully had some good learnings and um, happy holidays to everyone listening as well. Hope you have a great holiday season and uh, happy new year.